welcome to Driven for Purpose, a lifestyle podcast designed to bring you the tips, tools, and resources so that you can discover your purpose, reignite your passion, and fully step into your power. I'm your host, Amanda Bickham, holistic health and mindfulness coach, and I'll be guiding you every step of the way. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey community, thank you so much for tuning in. The episode that you're about to listen to is actually from the online growing conscious community on Facebook. So some of you are a part of that community and of course I love that platform because it creates this beautiful opportunity to connect and share and communicate with you guys in a two-way stream instead of a one-way stream. So this episode has been taken from the Facebook platform and put onto the podcast because I know not all of us can meet at the same time and space. So I hope that you enjoy it, and as always, if you have questions or want to engage further, feel free to reach out to me at my website at amandabickham.com. Thanks, and enjoy the show. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Super, super excited to be here today. I feel like I haven't really been doing a lot of Facebook Lives lately, and um, yeah, part of that is because I haven't really been feeling the call and I've been focusing more on the podcast and the other part of that is because I haven't had super amazing inspiring people that I've wanted to really ignite a topic of conversation and bring you guys into it. Um, So that being said that is what today is going to be all about and I'm really really looking forward to bringing my special guest on today. So before I bring him on, I would just like to share a little bit of kind of how I met this beautiful human who, um, yeah, who's who's been really inspiring since the moment that we first met. It's interesting because before I, before I, you know, decided to have him on, I sent him and I asked him if I could uh, have his bio, what he would want to share. And we kind of just dialogued back and forth about how an experience of, of coming from truth is a lot more valuable than just reading a bio. So I'm gonna bring Philippe on right now. You guys know my background with Philippe is, I actually met him at an incredible festival and he actually hosted one of my favorite festivals, one of my favorite workshops rather, not festivals. And I was watching this person hold this space and it was done in such a wittingly beautiful dynamic way and then I got curious and I started doing a little Facebook stalking, started to see what he's all about, started seeing the content that he was sharing, started seeing the work he was doing in the world, how was he's expanding his ideas of how he relates to himself, one another, and really creating opportunities for people to indulge in this experience of understanding relationships and boundaries. And this is why I wanted to have him on the conversation today. So Philippe, if you want to join us, I don't know, it says that it's adding to the conversation. Hopefully technology is on our side. Um, Yeah, I'm really inspired by Philippe. So let's see if I can bring you on here. Not only for the way that have I been able to see him and the way that he holds space, but also um, just getting to know him a little bit more personally has been really inspiring. And I was connecting with him, I think a week ago, and he has a beautiful son named Phoenix. So he's the father of, I believe Phoenix is nine. And it was really inspiring for me to be a witness. Woo! <laughs> I was hearing how inspiring it was for me to be able to witness you and how you relate to your son. And mm-hmm. um, just seeing that experience uh, yeah. and feeling that, it was, oh, that's an echo. Hold on. I'm putting my headphones in. It's interesting. It doesn't look like Bluetooth works with Facebook Live. Really? Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing. Okay. Well. We'll get it. We'll get it in. I, I like feeling you right next to me. I hear and you. I, I feel you. Do it. 
Woohoo! All right, everyone. So welcome. Beautiful. That's working. <laughs> I'm gonna flip it. So it looks like hey. Well now you're upside down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well there it is. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> welcome well, to thank the live. You. So it's so good to be here with you. Mm, wow, it feels good just to, to be able to hold this space and hold this presence with you and hold it in a platform where other people can join and can be a part of this, this growing evolution of conscious conversations and meaningful topics, or at least topics that I find meaningful. So thank you for, your, for agreeing to show up and agreeing to bring your experience and your expertise and your knowledge and your wisdom and your vulnerability and your heart and your soul into this space. Mm. Pleasure. Feels good. Mm. Feels good to know you. Feels good to get to get to know you. And we had a chance to hang out for the first time just uh, what a week ago or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so yeah, for me it's a it's interesting because to speak like this with, with each other on uh, on a on social video so social media or video or or even on the phone, it's like my inner animal doesn't really know that you're there. Mm. Like there's, there's a big part of me that's like, yeah, I know I'm speaking to someone and I hear the sounds and the sounds actually really help me connect. But there's, there's like this, such a missing chunk of, of data or, the, or, or experiencing that comes with the body. Mm. And my animal mostly feels through all the five senses, but especially through the body and scent. And, you know, we haven't gotten to taste yet. I don't think so. <laughs> but anyway, you get my, you, you get my drift. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. So, I think... <laughs> okay. so um, this experience actually came to me because when I was connecting with you, um, well, first of all, I shared with the audience, I, I took your workshop at Soul Play and it was phenomenal. It That's was right. one of the, the most fun. It was the most exciting. I remember. So for those of you who don't know, um, it, I think the workshop, the title of the workshop was uh, Sensation Play or something like that. Does that sound mm -hmm. about right? Okay. Yeah, it's and, called the Artist Sensation Play, a.k.a. BDSM for Hippies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that and I loved it. I was like, ooh. And, you know, I've always had a little bit of a... And not always, but for a while in the beginning when I was opening up to this whole BDSM world, I was like, I don't like that. That's not tantric. Like I had all these stories, you know. Um, and yeah, so when right. so when I heard when I saw your 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 workshop, I was like, I have to go to this. Right. And I really loved it. I remember when we we're in this workshop and like so there's biting and scratching and slapping. And I remember when it got to the slap and I was just like, oh, I'm really going to slap you, you know? <laughs> and then I remember when she slapped you and, and, and no, I think you slapped her first. Oh, yeah. You was, slapped her first. It was good. It was so both good. <laughs> they were both good. <laughs> and then everything, yeah. and, and like, you could feel the fire of the room. The whole fire of the room was like, Oh, you know, like it was like just this wow. kind of, it was this like pivotal moment. And then it was like, okay, now it's your turn. You know, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, there's, there's something, I mean, especially with BDSM and I, I tell people like, you know, when you engage in a, in some kind of play like that, especially sensation play or role play, people might get that everything is okay because they see both people and they see that you know the emotions are okay this feels good or this was surprising or this is playful but there's another part of them which i think is more primal that says whoa somebody just got hit or somebody just just experienced something that that if i didn't know what was going on i would interpret as aggressive or mm. or or me even transgressive and so there's often witnessing bdsm there's often this sort of dichotomy of Okay, clearly there's things look consensual when you look at both people, but at the same time, there's there's this thing that happens that that's primarily activating. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of stretch is actually really exciting, and it's really and it's really fun to do it with somebody that you you're well connected with and that you trust because you know that although this could be experienced in a way that's really bad because of the nature of the container and the, and the consent, it actually allows for, for that kind of play to happen. And that's actually a really deep, deeper connection. Like I say, it's, it kind of reminds me of, you know, if you ever, ever fought with someone 
and in the fighting you you're like you're finding those places where you can hurt the other person that's a very intimate experience mm -hmm. now it also often leads to the best makeup sex <laughs> and there's a reason for that it's because fighting is very intimate mm. and so at some point when you make the flip to oh i actually really love you and that's why i fight so hard wow <sighs> then now I, want, now I want to jump your bones yeah well <laughs> why don't you tell us i mean so how did you get into this whole world and give those who don't know you or haven't had the opportunity to experience you by the way philippe hosts amazing workshops throughout the bay and he teaches at a lot of different festivals in the california area so definitely check that out but for those people who don't yet know you or, or they're like wait bdsm what are we talking about i thought we were talking about open relationships and parenting i want them <laughs> to get to feel you and to kind of feel into your journey because when i was sitting with you the other night it was really beautiful to hear just kind of your whole journey and how you got to where you are holding the spaces and talking so openly about the the spaces that you hold wow well it's a it's a long journey i mean moving to california was sort of a, a renewal for me i moved to, to california about 20 22 23 years ago um, and it was sort of an escape from canada and a small village mentality and uh, you know the feeling that all that would happen if I stayed there was I was going to meet someone, we were going to have kids and get married or get married, have kids and, um, and buy a house and eventually buy a bigger house. And it was just going to be, you know, that was the, the, the standard script. And I was like, I want something else. I want something different. I want, I want more. And uh, the company I was working for sent me to California and I fell in love. I fell in love with I hooked up with a girl in my class, actually, and uh, which was totally on my style. And, uh, sure. and my body, felt, my body my bo seriously, my body felt really good. I felt like, wow, this feels good. I feel good. And wow, I could live here. And and there, there was this sort of that was before the dot com boom. That there was this sort of like building potential that was about uh, of what was about to happen and so and i realized wow i want to i want to live here i want to live where it's the 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 social the bleeding edge of social change and mm. exploration and so i moved here and immediately i went to burning man and uh met a whole bunch of people discovered ritual perform uh, ritual performance uh, which is essentially like a performance that that includes a transformational element and from there i discovered that there was such a thing as sex parties in, in San Francisco, which I heard about, but didn't know much about until somebody says, oh, I'm going to this thing. Would you like to come? And I'm like, yeah, I really want to check that out. <laughs> so, you know, long story short, I went to my first sex party in San Francisco and it was full of people I would never have sex with. And uh, <laughs> but I met a few people that were kind of like, we kind of just ended up hanging out and not really doing anything except, except being like, how's this for you? And what do you think? And, and, and then, and then I met one person who then invited me to another party, which was more of a rave sex party. And then I went to that and, um, and I decided to help with the decor and they were like, yes, please come and decorate a room. And, and then I met more people and more communities and it just, the whole thing exploded from there. So that was the beginning of my sort of sexual exploration. Um, and, uh, short, shortly after that, my current then relationship of six years fell apart because I wanted to explore way beyond the boundaries of the relationship. Um, and then I, I did that for a few years. Then I met my wife, uh, my now wife, Paget, And, um, and then we started down the path of long-term relationship, which we started as a poly relationship. And I say this because I'm trying to bring it back to our theme. Uh, which is about parenting and polyamory. So um, yeah, it's been a long journey. It's been a long journey, and there's been like really difficult pieces that I never realized were going to be difficult uh, because I never experienced myself as a jealous person. Mm. And lo and behold, as part of my journey and as part of the the sort of the the the, the curved ball that reality sent my way was that instead of being jealous about my wife's partners and lovers, I became the most jealous about my son. And I never realized this would happen. I thought like parenting was going to be easy. I was going to take it like fish and water. Uh, and, um, and it just, it just slammed me. My, as soon as my son was born, I had this deep feeling of jealousy, which, uh, and abandonment. And then, uh, and then at the same time, there's another part of me that's way more mature. That's like, dude, you can't get in the way of 
your wife and her son. You can't mm. get in the way of that. That's like mm. she's gonna have one son, and if you met, if you fuck that up, then she'll 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 be angry at you forever. And I was like, no, I can't do that. So there's a part of me. So I had this internal fight that arose out of the birth of my son, which is with the the more mature part of me saying, you have to do everything you can to make this work. And another part of me, much younger, saying, no, I hate you and I hate this and I don't want to be here. And and it was <sighs> a, and it was a, and it, this fight and this grieving process and this unfolding happened for the last almost eight years. Wow. And I and I and I just want to say that for the first time, like really for the first time, I felt the kind of happiness of being in family just mm. this last Sunday for Mother's Day. Mm. And I felt it again yesterday. And I I was like, wow, I feel like I've I've arrived. And possibly there'll be like lots of steps backward, back into the sort of the, the abyss or the darkness of the hero's journey. But uh, I'm just celebrating it. Like it, and it just so happens that it's just before this 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 live. Just and, so and happens. Feel, feel, what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. There's no coincidence. But yeah, I feel good. I just posted about it, uh, and people have seen my journey over the years, um, and seen seen my sort of very public sharing of how difficult parenting has been for me. Um, and apparently, I'm not alone. Other other fathers mm -hmm. feel that. Other fathers who are not in open relationships who end up feeling abandoned within a monogamous relationship. And then, you know, quite possibly that could be the reason why they cheat because mm -hmm. they want to find their person again. And their person is not the mother of their child, at mm -hmm. least not for a time. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to excuse any, any sort of cheating or transgression of, of relationship, but understanding the reasons why things happen is the source of repair. Mm, that's the juice if you only get that from the entire show walk away with that please put it in your back pocket and just remember that yeah. every time you feel you feel any contraction in your heart or in your being or misunderstood <sighs> or misunderstood yeah yeah <laughs> <clears throat> well there's a lot there and there's a lot that I want to dive into um yeah. I think it would be important you know being in the bay area and being in this world um of openness and open relating i think it can be easy to think that everybody kind of understands and gets it but to be just super simple and break it down what's polyamory oh well the way i like to define it because uh, some people say polyamory some people say non-monogamy some people say open relationships yeah. my wife and i have always called it open relationship but it's sort of shifted to something that's more polyamory okay so uh, and, and I hate calling something non something else. I hate that. That's just like, oh, there's like monogamy and there's everything else. And everything else is not just polyamory. It is, it's like it's a million different things. It could just be dating for all yeah. we know. Yeah. So non-monogamy, dating, no. That, that doesn't feel like what I'm trying to create in my relationships. So uh, we called it open relationship for the longest time because we wanted the, the primary relationship between us to be at the forefront. Uh, but when our son was born, that didn't feel like it anymore. And so things kind of like broke down in, 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 and in so doing sort of, we started looking for something new and that's what so we've been doing therapy for a while. So back to your question, cause I digress and I do that every once in a while <laughs> is, uh, is polyamory is essentially, um, loving uh, loving or having sex. I mean, people define it slightly differently, but at least I, I call it being open to the possibility of loving or having sex or being intimate uh, with more than one person. Mm. And that definition is included in every single blood family there is. Because when you're in a blood family, right, you, you have children or you have brothers and sisters and parents, you know, you have to, there, there's, there's always this sort of call to love more than one mm -hmm. in their one way. You leave each person in their own way. If you have multiple brothers and sisters and you have parents that you're still connected with, then you have to love them each their own way. And if you have children, your children is always, are always asked, you know, there's always a question, which one do you love most? Not that you have to answer that, but, but you love each children in their own way and you leave your wife or partner in their own way. And so that's polyamory. That's loving more than one. And sometimes if you don't have any of that, then you have friends that you love dearly. Mm -hmm. And they're not just friends. 
they're 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 people you love and they love you and they there's a there's a mutual there's a mutuality there's a there's an interdependence that mm -hmm. i think arises out of love it's interesting <clears throat> i remember one of my first um experiences with polyamory and just this whole idea was when i moved to the bay six years ago and mm -hmm. Um, somebody had told it to me like this. I didn't really get it. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't for it. I wasn't against it. I didn't really fully understand it because I was so deeply conditioned of what relationships should look like. Right. Uh Oh, where'd you go? Oops. Sorry. I did that. Okay. <laughs> I um, so, so I was always like deeply conditioned on the way that I've always seen relationships and the story of how they're supposed to go. And, you know, like you said, the story that you kind of had in your mind when you were back in Canada. And um, I remember a friend had told it to me like this. So well, there was two different people who kind of opened me up. And one person said, look, it's like you, you have a best friend and you love this best friend and you have another best friend and you love that best friend. And you don't, right. get, you don't get jealous or upset when, when, when your best friend decides to hang out with their best friend or they don't get jealous or upset when you go decide to hang out with your best friend doesn't devalue the relationship that you have with the other person just because you love the other person as much and, and can enjoy them in a different way. And when yeah. it was put to me in that perspective, which is a very much less, it's, it's not taking it personal, right? It's like, oh, well, you and I have this relationship and this is more special than, than anything else you can ever have. Or, mm, or on the opposite of, yeah, or on the opposite of like, I'm, I'm not good enough. This isn't good enough. It, it is what I can give you not enough. And it's really kind of taking your ego and taking yourself outside of one's ability to expand how they can interact and connect to the world around them, I feel. Yeah, yeah, specialness is, uh, is, 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 the, is the currency of insecurity. Mm. Mm -hmm. You trade specialness. When you're insecure, you trade specialness. You make me feel special, I make you feel special. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And this kind of plugs in that little hole of insecurity for a short time. And then, and then that hole drains. There's like a little draining at the bottom of it that, uh, you, know, you know, it's like putting water in, into the earth. Yeah. Right in, into a hole you made in the earth. Like eventually the water just kind of sinks in, and then it's then it's a hole again. And you're like, damn, damn! I thought I filled that hole, and and really, there's nothing that can fill the that can fill the hole other than yourself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, never forever. At the same time, there is such a thing as interdependence because because it's it's just it's just natural goodness to actually be interdependent and needing each other uh, in a, in a way that that doesn't that doesn't limit the other person. Like, hey, I need you because you're my best friend and, and, and it's, it's good for us to be deeply connected. And so it's not about feeling special. It's about really the, the pure expression of who we are as, as social creatures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Um, there's the opposite of specialness. Well, that's not the opposite. There's too special. So if we, if we veer into attachment theory for a second, right? So, uh, so somebody who's anxious, can never get enough of feeling special. They can never get enough. It's, it's never enough. It's like, it's like the hole that is, it's like what I just described, like it emptied the, the hole is back again, it's back again, it's back again. You can never tell them how many times you love them. They will always need it soon enough. But then for the avoidant attachers, it's the other way. It's feeling too special in a way that makes you feel like, whoa, I, this person depends too much on me. And what if I want to go? What if I want some space? And they're going to fall because they're leaning on me and I just need a little moment by myself. And, and, I, and you don't feel like you have, you have that, that capacity to move anymore. So there's, there's such a thing as not feeling special enough, or there's this, there's this other thing called feeling too special. Yeah. Or yeah. <clears throat> and I know that attachment theory is something that you base a lot of your, um, the way that you show up and structure everything. And for those of you who don't yet know about attachment theory, there's a book called Attach, read it. We don't have enough time to super dive into it here, um, but it's a really good book. And I know that you're, you're, it's helped you a lot. But I'm curious, let's go back to your relationship for a minute. So you met your now wife in a polyamorous situation. Is that right? Well, I, I was single. She was she was dating someone, and actually, her lover said, "Hey, you should meet Philippe. You you know, uh, I think you guys would get along." And and you know, she he kind of handed he didn't really hand her off because she's not a thing to hand off. But she she basically says, 
check check Philippe out. He's a good friend of mine, and I think he would really enjoy each other. And then we went on our first date. And because she's bisexual, it sort of made sense for her to be in an open or open or we, we call it open at the time mm-hmm. uh, or, or poly relationship. And for me, I was in a full blown exploration of what does it mean to have lovers and and how is it possible? And do we do I have you know, what does it take to sort of spin so many plates at the same time? Yeah. Because that's the thing with with relate for relationships to work. The plates has to have to spin fast enough and and well enough for everybody to feel happy about how things are going. Like the relationship has to feel alive to the degree that everybody likes it. So for some people, like especially avoidant attachers, it's like, oh yeah, the, the, the plate can can we can put the plate down and I'll see you when I see you. And when we see each other, we can just kind of go back into go back into where things were. And for somebody who's more anxious, they need a little, they they need a constant check-in. And for somebody who's secure, they could do both. They could handle both. So the point is to reach a, a point of mutuality where where we both feel good about how the relationship is going and how it's maintained or how it's kept alive in the engagement. And then when that happens, everything's great. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a level of engagement, there's a level of communication that will feel good. And then uh, and then every relationship goes through the goes through this phase of growth where we, we you're trying to figure out what's our commitment. You know, how often do we speak? And and if you try to reach me and I'm not available, how quickly do I have to get back to you? And then that's how the relationship kind of finds its sort of balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So takes practice. <clears throat> yeah, and that's one thing that I really I really value in this open relationship field per se, right? Is because you're you're constantly creating some open, honest, and authentic communication around all parties and most importantly around yourself feeling into checking into and being honest about what it is you want and what it is you need and sharing that with all other people who are a part of this experience. Otherwise it's not going to work and it's going to fall apart. And something that I feel like um, I see happen and sometimes in codependent uh, monogamous relationships is that there's not communication. The people feel shut down. They feel disconnected. They feel like they can't speak their truth. They feel like they can't be honest. They can't be vulnerable. They're not getting their sexual needs met. They're not getting their intimacy needs met. They're not getting whatever need met. And there's such deep conditioning around you show up like this. This is your role. I show up like this. This is my role. And we just continue to beat the pavement until at one point something breaks and that sometimes is when the relationship, it, it goes, it breaks apart and, and there's not really a space to repair, which is, I think, what's so powerful about creating this honesty and this communication and being in open relationships when there's more than just two, there's obviously a lot more communication that needs to be had. Um, yeah. So when you, so you, you went on this, you, you, your wife had a lover, he was your friend. She introduced you to, to, to or he, she, she, he introduced you to her. And I think that's always kind of, you know, a lot of people who are thinking about opening up their relationships or are curious about it. Like the first question is like, but what if they fall in love with someone else? Right? Exactly. <laughs> what happens? This is what happened. So tell us what happened. Like how did, how did that unfold? And it's awesome. Well, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, I think I think her lover was open to that. She mm-hmm. uh, like he, like a, the, like the the way their relationship was going, it was more of a light lovership, I would call yeah. it. Yeah. And so and and we definitely. Well, hmm, that's a good question. I don't know that we fell in love in the way that most people think of. You know, when when it's like you, you, you know, all you think is uh, all you think of is this person, and and you can't. The traditional you can't get story. Enough of this the person. storybook. The traditional story of falling. Like you're, yeah. you're like you're going down, dude. <laughs> you're, or, <laughs> there's no helping, and you're just slipping. You're just slipping, and you can't help yourself. That's like that's one version of falling in love, and uh, and I would say I don't remember it happening that way, but I do remember uh, and a. a, a you know, getting attached, and uh, and I and I think really what well, that's what people mean when they when they say falling in love, they get attached. They get attached to a degree that they don't have a choice anymore. And and I personally think that that it's a it's a form of 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 addiction. Like we get addicted to the other person, 
to the way we feel with them, to the chemicals that arise when we connect with them, to the chemicals that arise when we have sex with them, when they touch us, when we touch them. All of that chemical cocktail that keeps on arising inside of us and, 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 and inside them, that makes us want to do that more, mm-hmm. right? That's, a, that's addiction. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't know the exact, because I haven't seen a research that specifically speaks to that, but, uh, but, it's, uh, but if you've ever been in love with anyone, you know that there's, a, there's, there's chemicals happening in your brain and in your body in relationship to being with them, and you want more of that. And it's, so, so it's not just because they have cool ideas or they're a cool person, but even that can be about serotonin and status and, you know, when you would, or, or they have something you don't have. And there's a, there's a kind of, um, and there's a kind of desire to have what they have and, um, and learn from that. But I think most of it and most of the falling in love is the chemical cocktail that makes you feel good. That makes you want to go and do that again. So that's what we did. We, we got into each other's under each other's skin, almost, you know, literally. And, uh, and then, and then we, we, you know, we, at some point we were like, Oh, I guess we're together because mm-hmm. we just keep on doing stuff together. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it felt good and it felt solid. And, and we had a, we had a good, we had good balance. Like even, even years into it, the relationship, we, we look at each other, like we barely fight. We fight once a year. Wow. And when it's, when a fight, it's, it's a, it's a good one. It's a solid <laughs> one. But the rest of the time, it's actually pretty stable. And, and now that I know about attachment theory, I would say that in general, plus or minus her being leaning, leaning towards anxious and leaning towards avoidant, most of the time we actually found a pretty good balance between each other. Beautiful. Beautiful. So <clears throat> open relating is, is I think a beautiful concept to explore. If anybody's interested and anybody's kind of resonating or if their ears perked up or, you know, if you're tuning into this, chances are there's a reason why it caught your attention. So that's one door to just to begin to, to inform, get, get information about, be, be, you know, a lot of the, the people that I speak to or even some clients, I'm like, you can have it all. Like whatever it is that you want in your life in any way, in any direction, you can have it all. It's just your mind and old stories and old conditioning that tells you that you can. And so I think that that's, you know, really interesting and fascinating. And that could, again, be a whole nother topic. But I what I really find interesting and, and what I really loved about when I was witnessing you and your interaction with your son. And I remember before I even went over to your house, I'm like, Hmm, this is more of an interesting situation than I've been in for, for a while. Okay. Cause you're like, yeah, you're like, you can come over. Um, my, my wife will be at her lovers. I, I, my son will be here. I put him to bed at this time and I'm just like, Oh, okay. Things get a little bit more complex. <laughs> this is interesting. So when more we, people, right? Yeah. More people and beautiful. <laughs> and the way that I saw you mm. relating to your son, I think for a lot of people, especially people who are very traditional thinking, they're like, and I've, I've talked to people about this actually also of like, well, I'm interested in open relationships, but I want to have children. And I'm like, mm. Okay. <laughs> like, and we used to raise children as tribes um, back in the day. And everybody was kind of a part of this bringing up of, of the child. And so I'm curious, you know, I, I, obviously those audience members who've been tuning in from the beginning knew that you weren't jealous of other lovers, but what you were jealous of was your son coming in. And I'm curious, even beyond that kind of zoomed in picture, how was it kind of on a bigger, broader perspective of taking this open relationship and maybe even what were some of your fears going into parenting while open relationship, if there were fears or what were kind of some of the stories that were happening in that, in that space? Well, I, I, I'll say, I'll say right away that we didn't have any concerns around parenting and open relating. Sweet. I mean, it, it, right from the get go, I knew that parenting was a form of open relating and so we're like, okay, well, we're adding one person, except this person is, has no sense of boundaries and no sense of, and bad, really bad communication at first. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, compared to other lovers where you can say, hey, let's have a conversation, even though it's going to be hard. But with a baby, it's like, no, you know, they're completely dependent. And actually, I mean, that takes a lot of space in a relationship. That takes a lot of space in each person's, you know, bandwidth. and uh, and that probably that was that you know minus the well not minus because that was a big deal minus the feeling of abandonment and 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 the challenges that arose from and the jealousy that arose from that 
there's also that having a child takes a lot of space. Yeah. You know, one person wants to go, the other person either has to be the babysitter or we have to find a babysitter. So it's not like in, in traditional, traditional, is there such a thing, poly relationship, it's like, oh, well, you're going to go there, I'm going to go there. And, it, and it, it, there's no third party to make sure gets that to make sure it's getting uh, taken care of. And so, when I had a lover recently, um, <clears throat> and she and and it was clear that she was going to need a lot of attention, and I kind of walked into it and you know really really with a lot of clarity where I said, okay, I I'm gonna I'm gonna put my attention on my wife, my son, you, and my career, and that's it. There's nothing else I can do. Based on how much how much attention I know you both uh, I know you all need, and I tried to do it, and then we it lasted for about nine months, and actually, uh, and I and I put a lot of my attention on this new lover with the with the hope that things were gonna kind of loosen up a little bit and relax a little bit, and that didn't happen, so the relationship mm. fell apart. Mm. But it's the understanding that when you have a child, it's gonna take a lot of attention and a lot of energy and a lot of space, and when you're when you're just kind of free floating and single-ish or poly or whatever it is that you want to call it and you have the full freedom to do what you want might you know uh, beyond beyond your work and beyond your your regular commitment but a commitment to a child is is one that takes a lot more than most people realize mm -hmm. at least up until they get older mm -hmm. and when they get older then they start it, you know, they start saying, okay, I got this, or I want to do this. No, dad, mom, you don't need to handle this. I got it. You know, when they become teenagers, that happens. But, it, but, but the, the, the teenagers, which I haven't really handled yet, um, that's a whole different thing. Because if you don't do a good job as a parent early on, then your teenage boy or girl doesn't really know how to make good choices. And then you're constantly in for, for some parents that happens, they're constantly in sort of damage control because they don't know if they're, if their child is going to make the good choices. So you have to get started. You have to do a lot of work early on to get things going just properly. So that's a challenge. It takes a lot of attention, a lot of time uh, to, to raise a child who's secure, who can make good choices so that later on when they start to you know, fly of their own, you don't have to keep watching them to make sure that they, you know, they don't get in trouble. Mm. so beyond that uh beyond that the the, the big so i just want to say because people always wonder like well what do you do your lover's coming over or a new person comes over what do you tell your child because i i think that was your original kind of related to your original question yeah so sorry that was that, that was, was my that was going to be my second question yeah. so you, you in the back of that. your mind so i sort of digress but there's so many good okay. pieces to this so the all we say to our son is amanda's coming over she's gonna be over she's staying the night Sometimes we say she'll be, you know, she'll be in, in my bed. Sometimes she'll, we'll say she's going to sleep downstairs. And whether it's Amanda or, or anybody else. And he's just like, he's never known anything else. So mm -hmm. for him, it's like perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is people, have, people balk at the idea of having lovers over. But there are countless thousands, hundreds of thousands of examples of parents who are separated, living in two different houses, and inviting lovers over. Mm -hmm. Nobody's mm -hmm. asking questions about that. Mm -hmm. it's, it becomes a problem if it's in the same house. Like, what the heck? Like, if it's in the same house and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the child is like, yeah, I understand that happens all the time. It's no big deal. Then if it's no big deal for the child, it's no big, uh, for the parents, it's no big deal for the child. And then everything rolls, you know, they, we just roll with it, whatever it is. And when there's breakups, we're like, okay, well, this person's not going to come anymore. And, you know, we had a conflict or disagreement or we're not going to see each other anymore. And, and that's a, that's a, that's a lesson for the child mm -hmm. that things mm -hmm. come and go. People come mm -hmm. and go. It's mm -hmm. not forever. Forever is not a thing unless you put the energy into it. So that's, that's it. Our biggest concern is, is parents at his school. Like what are, are the parents going to think? And so that's my answer to what parents might say. We're just whatever, whatever, broken up parents do outside, of, you know, in two different homes, we just do it in the same home and we love each other and we're good and we co-parent extremely well and we're a good, solid family. Mm. So one of the things that has come up to me throughout this conversation, um, and it's been beautiful because I've witnessed this in my own experience, but just this understanding of how much personal work and personal responsibility it takes 
in order to, to show up transparently yeah. in your life, yeah. regardless of the, 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 the society's structures and forms and judgments. And, you know, like you said, like, what are other parents going to think? And it's like, one of the things that came to me several years ago was when you're judging someone, are you judging them or are you mm -hmm. judging yourself against them? Mm, yeah. And chances yeah. are you're just judging yourself, right? More often mm -hmm. than not, you're just judging yourself and, and choosing mm -hmm. to put project onto someone else. And I feel like, <laughs> you know, in this experience of owning your desires, being yeah. honest, being open, being vulnerable without expectations. And that's something that I think is so incredibly important is like you just share openly, honestly, authentically what your needs and desires are, not expecting that anyone else is going to meet them other than you, but hoping mm -hmm. that the other person will be able to hear you, will be able to feel you. And if it feels aligned for them too, meet you there. And in that place, you have yeah. an interdependent relationship, whether it's with your boss, whether it's mm -hmm. with your wife, whether it's with your son, whether it's with whoever it's with, it doesn't matter. But you're, you're taking this, this idea of transparency and self-responsibility and owning That's that. Cool. And, and I think it takes a lot of courage for people to go outside the box. For people, I mean, I'm sure when you left your, I don't know about you, but at least I can say for me, when I left my hometown, people were like, oh my God, are you really doing that? Like, that's so brave. And I'm like, I have no other choice. I need to leave, you know? But it really just takes uh -huh. you checking in and owning what's your truth. But when the rest of the world is, is hurt, being herded like all the other sheep, it can feel like, you know, standing out and asking yourself, what's true for me, what's right for me can be, right. it's, it's on the edge, right? Um, and so in all of this, I feel from what I'm hearing from you and your experiences is it's a lot of ownership of owning your feelings of owning your emotions of creating spaces to talk about that and not hiding that not hiding that from your children being honest and mm -hmm. open and creating instead of enforcing structures around how things should look up which is how i grew up you know and how i think most of us grew up of having these rules and structures of how things should be you're giving space and permission for the individual the child, whether they be a child or an adult, to feel into what feels right and to make decisions based upon their own autonomy versus upon, you know, structures and stories of other people. That's right. Yeah. So what, when you speak, with everything you said, what comes up for me is, is, is the, is, is, is this spectrum between morality, which basically says in a fairly static way, uh, this is right, this is wrong, versus sovereignty. Which is which is, and which I define as make, making better choices for self and others in connection mm. and in relationship. So you're not just it's it's not a pure individualist individualist view. My view is that there's a middle ground, and the middle ground is you have to you have to get a sense of based on your values of what's right, what's wrong, and you make agreements with others around what that looks like, and 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 the expression of it is you have to connect with others and stay connected with them in order to know what's right, what's wrong, moment to moment to moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So and that's the present. Just, I'm, that's right. That's the present. That's exactly it. And so you're not saying this is right, this is wrong, regardless of, of, the, of the experience of connection. And you don't say, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want, regardless of you and you and you and you. It's, we, we actually find a middle ground where we stay connected. And that's, to me, is the essence of, of, uh, of healthy relationships or healthy relating is, is we stay connected in, in the connection and, and the, it, just like a dance, like contact improv, like we stay connected and in the connection as we move. We don't just go woof over there, dance over there. We like conti continue the connection, whether it's to say I'm coming right back or it's to say I'm here with you, I'm staying with you until you're ready. All of these things, all these micro adjustments and micro movements teach us what's going on for the other person and they teach us what's going on for them and we teach them what's going on for us and vice versa and in doing that we really evaluate moment to moment and, and it's basically an expression of affirmative consent affirmative mm -hmm. consent is am i still a yes well 
what's the yes? The yes is the alignment between your animal, your heart, your body, your mind, and everything else that, you know, that arises as a, as a form of body inside of you. So you feel into that, feel into the alignment. You're able to slow down enough with the other person, what feels in alignment, and you follow that moment to moment to moment. And that's what I think is so key. And that's why I feel that open relationships are like the transparent relationship because you're, you're being yeah. honest. You're being really honest. Yeah. You're well, not you have worried. To. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise it's going to be a shit you're show. You're forced <laughs> to. Otherwise everything falls apart. Well, otherwise what ends up happening is you're, <clears throat> is, is you can, you can find new lovers all the time, but these relationships fall apart really quickly because eventually you're just like, yeah, I'm off to the next bright, new, shiny thing. Mm -hmm. And, and people do that and they mm -hmm. call that poly or they call that open or they call that non-monogamy or they call that relationship anarchy, and, which is great to the degree that it works. Otherwise it's just like dating. And that's something that I would actually also kind of like to speak into in that space. And when I first started hearing about polyamory or open relationships, I was really relatively against it only for the fact that I was like, Oh, that's just people wanting a, a pass to fuck you know like that's just that's all they and for want. some people it is like and that exactly and for some people <laughs> it is like that and there's no shame on that if that works for you and that works for the people that you're working with then by all means right. go for it and that's also right. i feel that there are there's a huge spectrum of how you can open relate there's a huge spectrum of how you can where you can fall what your edges are what your boundaries are what you want to lean into how you want to hold the space how you want to name each other or call each other or not call each other and it's a constant checking in it's a constant what's true for me and it doesn't matter what's That's true right. for anyone else not that you don't matter or, or 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 your essence or what you need and desire doesn't matter but what matters first and foremost is what's true for me can i know that can i identify that can mm -hmm. i speak that and then from me speaking my truth, can you speak your truth? And then from you being in your autonomous self and me being in my autonomous self, can we find a place where we can meet together and we can coexist right. for however long we can meet and lean into each other for? That's right. Absolutely. And yeah, that's the, that's the essence of one of the classes I teach called 50 Shades of Yes, where in connection and in movement and in touch with somebody else, you feel into your fluctuating yes going, and, and, and you know that if you're doing any kind of acrobatics, like you're, or, or, you know, when you're trying to dance, when you lean onto somebody and they lean into you, there, there's points where you're like, your body's like, no, I'm done with this. You know, I don't want to do, I don't want to lean that way anymore. So you have to go back. Um, and if you, if you learn to feel into that or listen to that, you can also learn to listen into your feelings and you can learn to kind of check your mind and check your animal and check all these, these, these pieces together in concert as this sort of like, mix and it all mixed together into how much of a yes uh, am I right this second mm -hmm. and and it's not going to be a hell yes all the time so the concept of the hell yes it's just at a moment you know in a moment you can be somebody says do you want to do this and you say hell yes but moment to moment to moment you know the way they kiss the way they touch the way you move there'll be discomforts and you have to adjust to that and you have to be able to speak to that because if mm. you can't they're going to be you know <laughs> Yeah, you're going to find some boundaries, but you, you might wait for too long before you say mm -hmm. something. So then you get mm -hmm. hurt or mm -hmm. they transgress in a way that they, that, that they didn't know and you didn't know and you couldn't tell them ahead of time. Or you think something's okay, but it's really not because you don't know your own boundaries really well. Yeah. So all kinds of, you know, crunchy things that can happen in the discovery of what it's like to connect in the middle, like you just said. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think what you were sharing in your relationship with how you navigate it um, with your wife and with your son is it's always about presence. At the end of the day, it's always about right. presence. What's happening here? What's happening now? Does it still feel good? Is, is this still yeah. an alignment for me? Where are you? And I know I, yeah. I actually just released a podcast episode and I mentioned a little bit at the end, I mentioned a little bit of our experience in it and I talk about expectations. And I talk about how expectations, like it, the title of the episode was, are your expectations holding you back? And mm. I, was, I was sharing about how we can feel, regardless of the words that we speak and the things that we say, and even our conscious mind, we can feel if someone has expectations or not. Mm. And sometimes we can even feel our own 
expectations, even though they might be subconscious. So you might be having an experience um, and you're not even aware that you're having a, a subconscious expectation and it comes from this feeling or this, there's, there's a contraction or a feeling or a sensation within you when things aren't flowing smoothly, right? If you're in any type of experience, sexual or not, um, then you have this opportunity to lean into it. And if you're like, say you're, you're, you're connecting with someone, you thought that it was going to be great. You're, you're kissing. And then all of a sudden there's something that feels a little off to you, but you don't feel into that. You don't give yourself space to feel into that. You don't come back to the self. You don't say, hold on a second. I just want to, I just want to take a moment and feel into, because as you said, what, what, what could have been a yes could have changed. And I think, you know, there's this underlying oftentimes like, thing of element of expectation that that rides on us whether consciously or unconsciously that can constrict our natural flow of being able to feel in what's right and what's aligned and what's present in each moment or cause us to abandon ourselves especially if the other person we're with has such a clear loud uh sense of what they need and 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 i say this because uh, uh from experience because i i lean towards avoidant trying to get back to secure and very close uh, or, or, or I'm there. I think that's what I experienced in the last few days with my family is this kind of like, ah, oh, this is what it feels like to be in a secure place. And, um, and so I, I cultivate that. Parts of it is discovering, is discovering my own needs and, and self-care. There's a lot of self-care so yeah. that I don't abandon myself. So I, I listen to the voice that used to be very, very quiet. And that's part of the reason why I like to be on my own because I get to feel myself. Well, I go to yes. a festival all by myself and I get to be on my own schedule. Mm-hmm. I get to be away from the, the intense needs from, all, from other people. So I, can, so I get to listen to, to my own needs and I get to listen to that quiet voice that's sometimes also very slow. And as I listen to it, I start to discover, oh, this is what I really want. Mm-hmm. This is what my alignment looks or feels like. And... And if I'm with someone who's just, who has intense needs, I'm like, I can't even hear myself. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm going to fulfill your needs because I, those are clear. I know what you want and I'm going to mm. do that because that mm. feels good to me because I, I feel, I might feel a usefulness or I might feel a sense of, okay, I'm, I, I'm in integrity in this relationship or I'm helping or, or, or you love me more. So I end up loving myself through you. And that's a form of codependence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so, so it's important to not abandon self uh, through because of the needs of others. But it's hard because if we, if I, I mean, certainly I would, I would engage with a lot of women who, had, who were leaning towards anxious. And so it felt so good. Their love was so intense and so passionate and so beautiful and so bright and shiny that it would make me feel more alive. And... The moment I would say, I just need a moment to feel myself, they would feel abandoned. And then yeah. we would have a big fight. Yeah, yeah. So, it's so interesting. I feel like these are like, there's so many different avenues and ways and conversations we can have on all these different topics. And if anybody is is listening right now and you're interested or you have a question or there's something burning that you want um, us to feel into and to, to share with you here. Please know that the comments are available for you. That's one of the reasons why I love doing the lives versus just a normal podcast. Um, I also, I want to bring it back to just kind of for anyone who maybe has kids and they've never been open before, um, but they're interested. They're realizing that their needs and desires maybe have changed, that they're curious about open relating, they're intrigued by it. And one of the first things that they would say is, I have kids, that's not possible. I wouldn't want to bring my kids into that. I'm just curious mm-hmm. if you have any any sort of advice for someone who may be listening to this conversation and is curious and maybe that's the story that they have running. Well, uh, you know, I think... I think we look out there and we see, okay, what are the options? Okay. One option is we stay together. We're dissatisfied. One option is we stay together when you figure it out. So we go to therapy or coaching or whatnot. And, and we figure out ways, you know, the places where we do connect and start, start small with that. And then there's the option of, well, I guess we could connect with other people 
And that could be exciting and that could just bring a lot of juice uh, in, into it. But there's a thing that most people don't forget is that it is possible to detach from one person and reattach to another person. And that's the fear of falling in love. Mm-hmm. That's the fear that our partners, especially if they're anxious, they're going to be like, I'm afraid that you're going to fall in love with somebody else. And then I'm going to end up alone. And then there's the so and then there's the option of fully breaking up. So so there's there's options that are more or less common. And the option that my wife and I decided to take is we stay together, we figure things out, we go to therapy, and and we at least we have structured scheduled time that we get to have these conversations that which which are, that that otherwise because of logistics and the craziness of of family life we don't get a chance to really sit down and have. And beyond that connecting with others and staying in conversation about it. That's also really important. And, um, and also, and, and, and also hmm, there, was a, there was another piece to this. Oh, and also realizing the pieces that we actually handle really well. Like we co-parent really well. We handle money really well. And that's a big deal for some families and some couples. We, we live together really well. I mean, these things are like, that's solid. We got this. Yeah. I mean, we've had difficulties around co-parenting, but it, like nothing, like we, we align in so many ways that it's actually relatively easy. So, and then from there, like, what can we do that will, what are the real needs that need to be met? And how do we meet, meet those needs? I think that's more important than just saying, I don't feel, I don't feel met. I'm going to go and find it for somebody with somebody else, because maybe some of these needs can be met within the couple. Maybe it's not necessary to break up and break up the family, which is its own pain in the ass with the moving and having a different place and the expenses. I mean, all of that's like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I want that. That seems like more of a pain in the ass than staying together and figuring it out. So, so we stay together and, and, and we do that. And, and I will say, before you jump into bed with somebody else, like make sure you have the resources um, to handle the conversations that will occur, that will need to occur in order to meet the ba- in order to meet those boundaries and and pace and desires and and needs. Like if you don't have that level and depth of conversation already, the chance of it going out the the relationship going out the window is very very high. Like I would. I would not. I would not try open relating with family and co-parenting um, without without an additional resource like a therapist or a coach or somebody who can see through what's going on and say and name it and be yeah. able to support in just the right places. Yeah, absolutely. That was so valuable. And I think at the end, at, like the core of that is doing yourself work doing yourself yeah. work, realizing what's true for you, what's real for you, what's a story your for needs. you, what's conditioning, knowing what your needs are, knowing what your desires are. And then beyond all, knowing that you have a choice. I feel like so often mm-hmm. we just create these stories and it's either black or white. It's not black or white. There's yeah. so much involved. Yeah. And just realizing that regardless of where you are in any spectrum and any place, you always have a choice. And so using your self-awareness to assess where you are, assess what your needs are, communicate that, and then realize, you know, where your spectrum are. Angeline says, any recommendations? Angeline, I'm asking, I'm curious if what you mean in regards to recommendations, I'm guessing resources, tools. Um, What would you say, Philippe, if if people are are looking at expanding? (laughs) Uh, well, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna plug myself because you know you've already had an experience of of what it's like to you know what, where I'm coming from. So you can contact me. Obviously, um, I'm gonna also post a link about attachment theory, my attachment theory resources. My blog has a lot of really good uh, really good articles about about relating with each other as a couple, but also uh, the personal development work that that's required in order to to do this kind of emotional partner acrobatics that open relating looks like and and parenting already i mean if you're a parent you're already you you've you're already ahead of the curve because you've had to learn things um you've had to learn things that most people don't have to learn when they have somebody depending on them and that's actually extremely valuable they've had you know most parents have had to discover what it's like to manage your emotions in the face of somebody who doesn't know how to do that. Like mm-hmm. one of my quotes, 
one of my quotes for parenting is it's learning to dance with somebody who's never danced before. So mm. it's not like you've, you've never done parenting before, but at least you're ahead of the curve because you've been alive. Mm-hmm. And then there's this person who doesn't know how to speak, doesn't know about boundaries, doesn't know their own needs. And you have to discover that with them and support them in having that. So they become more sovereign. And that supports you in becoming more sovereign as well. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this is internal work. Uh, parenting is a spiritual path. It's a transformational path if you take it on that way. And that's the greatest benefit that I've experienced out of parenting. So resources, you know, a, a, I mean, it could, it could be as simple as find a therapist, find a coach, find somebody that you can, that can hold space for you draw out those needs, discover those needs, because if you don't know them in the first place, and that's especially true if you lean towards avoidant. Um, <clears throat> if you lean towards anxious, you already have needs. The, 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 the tricky part is to actually fulfill your own needs yourself, discover how to love yourself and how to take care of yourself so you're not fully dependent on your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but for an, an avoidant attacher, it's really about learning to be more dependent, to lean more, so that you don't do everything by yourself. And so, and so you don't have to leave all the time that things go wrong. You can actually say, hey, I'm having a hard time. Can you like support me emotionally in some ways? Or you have more people that can support you. So mm-hmm. I, obviously I use a lot of attachment theory in, this, uh, in these conversations. I, use, I also use in my coaching, I, use, I also use NLP, which is really great for sort of leveraging your own, your own mind to support you in the ways that sometimes it actually gets, it, it actually works against you. If you, if you have all these voices inside your head that say, that say different things and you never feel aligned, NLP will really help you. Mm-hmm. And so I use that and I use a bunch of other modalities, including just basic counseling. And sometimes people just need somebody to have their attention on them. And so I'll, I'll sit with people and I'll, I'll ask the right questions and I'll, I'll pull out and glean out things that maybe if they were alone, they would never be able to kind of quite figure out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So uh, if nothing else, find people in your life that you can relate to, that can listen and not try to fix you. And already that will support you in thinking just a little bit better and feeling just a little bit better. Yeah. And some of the best coaching I've gotten were, were, was with lovers who just sort of asked me the right questions in the right order and I had the deepest realizations. They didn't even know they were mm-hmm, doing that. Mm-hmm. They, they were just really present with me because they loved me and they, they just wanted the best for me. Yeah. And it helped. Yeah. Yeah. Angeline, I think, you know, there's like the first step for me, I would say, as far as recommendations is do the self-work. Ask yourself, how, when was right. the last time I invested in really getting to learn myself, getting to know myself, whether that's through books or through videos, through workshops yeah. or, or courses or coaching or whatever. Um, that's super key. I, and I would go that route first for anyone who's listening, always start here. And then as far as other resources and, and open relating, I mean, attached is huge. That's a great book that you should definitely read. If you're interested in learning more about how, what your relationship style is, there's also sex at dawn, uh, which I found really interesting. Um, more than two. That's another really highly recommended book. Um, Uh, More than two is great. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a, a Facebook group that I started with my wife, including a community called the Open Relationship Community. It's a community that's grown, or at least online, has grown to about 7,200 people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it's a, I mean, we really, me and the other moderators who are amazing, they spend so much of their time just kind of keeping track of things, making sure the conversation don't go too crazy because we already know that social media gets a little crazy. Um, and so you can go on this group and, and I'll post the link and you can get added to that and, and you can ask any questions. And, and there's a huge community of people who are there to help and offer support and offer their wisdom. And it's, it's just amazing because you, literally you can ask any questions. Judgment pops up once in a while, but we, I think we do a pretty good job and it's a pretty safe group for people to engage. And if you do want to get on it, please let me know because there's like thousands of people that are trying to get on it and we don't just want to open the floodgates. And so let me know. I will approve it. And yeah, awesome. we'll be on. You can ask any questions from a huge pool of really experienced people. Cool. Well, I will make sure, Philippe, go ahead and leave your, leave a comment with all of the information and all the resources and all the way that people can find you, including your workshops. If you are in the Bay, please go to them. They're amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And 
yeah festivals as well and um yeah i just want to thank you i want to thank you for being able to share space with me online so that others can also enjoy um this connection and 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 what we've been able to share and experience and i look forward to more to more and however that wants to manifest and if there's anyone that is interested in other topics that you'd like to hear us dive into or discuss on um please please feel free to drop some seeds of inspiration and we can watch how they grow beautiful i love you amanda mm. sending love to you i received that thank you thank you for the <laughs> opportunity here thanks for the space to speak and share and thanks for your questions Thanks for what you do. Mm, thank you so much. All right, you guys. We'll see you next time. Adios. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on Driven for Purpose. I cannot tell you how much your support means. If you found this content helpful in any way, shape, or form, I would love it if you share this with your friends and family. If you haven't yet already done so, please go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help us rank higher, which means more people can get inspired by this content. And together, we can support one another to continue on our journey towards our highest and best selves. I'll catch you next week.